It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. On today's podcast, it's getting cold in a lot of parts of the country, except Hawaii, parts of Florida, Arizona, and I got tips for you on saving on your bills for heating this winter because, well, we got a bit of a train wreck coming with that. And also with rising home prices, lots of people are treating their homes like a piggy bank and taking out equity. I want to tell you why that makes me so, so nervous. Well, I'm also nervous about what it's going to cost to heat our home this winter and I've already told uh, my wife and our one remaining child still in the house the others are out and about that they're going to have to wear overcoats in the house because the thermostat's going to be at 46 degrees no way no no you're in such a small space are you psyched to save on your heating bills it's so amazing how much less we're in a place that's less than a fourth the size of our home and so all the bills have been like put in a shrink ray. So actually, this winter is going to look good for me. Get it up to 68 degrees. 68? <laughs> no, 55 at night. <laughs> Got to save that money. Anyway, you sleep better if you're under the covers and you got the temperature at 55. It's true. Seriously, 55. You actually sleep better. I, I mean, we put ours down to 67 or 68 at night, but that's cold. 55, man. Double nickel. It's a real savings. I promise you'll sleep better. Promise. Okay. During the day, no, no, not Yeah, no, I like it cold at night, but that seems like you'd see your breath almost. So you use, this is one of the key things I want you to know. So typical electricity price around the country is going to be about 5% higher this winter season than last winter season. But many of us heat with natural gas, and that, depending on where you are in the country, that's going to be up 25 to 35%. Propane, even higher. So this is a tough winter uh, for what we're going to pay for bills. Now, the only good news we've had is the temperatures have been more mild recently than normal. And supplies of natural gas, it looks like they might even be in shortage, seem to be nicely replenished for the winter season, but still at higher prices because... We're a big exporter now in the United States of natural gas. We're uh, one of the world's largest energy producers. And so we are exporting a lot of our natural gas, which is good for the overall economic well-being of the United States, but not good for our own wallets because it's pushed up the price for domestic use of natural gas since we're sending so much away overseas. So what do you do? Uh, now, uh, people are going to think, well, you may already think I'm crazy with the 55. But you should use one of these AI thermostats. Nest was the original. Now, there are tons of these out there. They're cheap. A lot of us can install them ourselves. And you put in one of these thermostats, and they learn your patterns. They learn when you're home, when you're not, and all that. And when you're not home, they reduce the temperature that they're trying to heat the home too. It will save you somewhere typically 20 to 30% on your heating bill when you use these um, artificial intelligence thermostats. And some of them are really easy to use, some are harder. 
the lowest hanging fruit, though, of all that you got to spend some money on is most of us who own our own homes, if you get up and look in the attic, you'll if you're seeing the rafters, you're way short of insulation. And you can have a dramatic impact on both your heating costs and your cooling costs if you get insulation, adequate insulation, put in your attic. And it's not a terribly expensive thing. I know people react to this. and They think, oh, well, there's a lot of air leaks around our windows. These windows are old. We're going to put in new windows. Let me tell you, new windows are expensive, and they will not have the impact on your bill that the thermostat will have and putting in adequate attic insulation. Third thing, though, you can use weather stripping and caulk and do those things yourself. They cost almost nothing. They will make the rooms more comfortable, and they will reduce the consumption of your energy. And those, I'm thinking of four steps, you know, the thermostat, the attic insulation, the caulking, the weather stripping. Those four steps are things you can do before the brutal cold of winter sets in. To me, brutal cold is anything below 55 degrees. I cannot stand cold weather. I don't like any temperature below 80 degrees. And I thrive the hotter it is above 80. So that's just who I am. And that's just the way it is. But for you, whatever temperature you're comfortable with, whatever weather you like, you got to think about what those bills are going to cost this year. And the improvements you make should help you in years that energy is not so expensive as well. And hopefully we will have a mild winter this year that will also help reduce those bills. Let's get to some questions. This is from Cody in Minnesota, where I'm sure it is already cold. (laughs) I am looking to sell a car and I am no longer near any ATM or bank branch for my bank. I will be requiring cash as it is the safest way to sell a car but I have no way to deposit the cash via a third-party ATM into my bank account from what I can find. How would you suggest depositing this cash? The sale price will be around $12,000. Okay, Cody, you're scaring me to death that you're going to be meeting somebody who's going to be handing you $12,000 in cash that you're going to have to take somewhere. Um, I don't have a sense how far away a bank branch is for your bank. But if it were me, um, if it was within a couple hours drive, I would drive all the way to where that bank is. And if there's not a branch anymore within a reasonable distance, before you sell the car, I think it's time for you to find a credit union local to you. Or if you want to do business with a bank, you can do business with a bank. But this would be a great opportunity for you to go open a credit union account And then you have the ability to go deposit at a branch of that credit union and you get that money out of your hands and into, uh, in the case of a credit union, NCUA insured account. Same thing as FDIC insured account. But 
as few minutes as I would be running around with $12,000, for me, the better. I'd meet them at the bank cashier and have the cashier verify that it's legitimate, too. Well, they're giving cash. They're not going to well, give. Well, it could be counterfeit. You think they'd give counterfeit money to buy know. a vehicle? I've never People, heard that before. Well, I, you know, we've heard almost checks. everything. I mean, that would make But me... that's one I have not heard. Yeah, I mean, that is true. <laughs> the best place to meet would be at the financial institution and that's beneficial to both parties. And it's funny, Cody, because if you had been the buyer, I would have advised that meeting at a bank branch where at one of those desks you hand over the money, the uh, the seller would know that there's real money. You got um, you got bill of sale that can be done right in front of the person at one of those fancy desks in the bank or credit union, although credit unions tend not to waste that money on fancy furniture, and I like it for the transactions to take place at a financial institution instead of elsewhere, and then you've got to tote that money somewhere. I think it's better protection for both sides of the deal. Reiner in New York says, my wife and I both got a letter from ISO Claims Services in Jersey City, New Jersey, dated November 4th of 2021, stating they had a security violation affecting the data of one of their clients but they do not mention the client's name. I'd be interested in knowing which company that I do business with might have been affected. Can your staff investigate and find out which company might have been affected? So uh, we did a little bit of digging, and we can't figure out who it was who had the data breach. But this organization, and it's a legitimate letter you've received, they are a huge database for insurance claims, for um, property and loss insurance claims. It's only available to the insurance industry, and they only provide the information to insurance companies. So the likeliest source of the leak would be at an insurance company likely you do business with. So I have a copy of the letter um, here, the generic letter, and it says that they actually experienced a security incident um, themselves, but they do have information that's provided by insurance um, companies. So that's interesting. If you ever so had that an means, accident, that anything. means that the guilty party is the very, very organization, the industry clearinghouse that sent you the letter, not any involvement with a company that you do business with, because they do business routinely with people in the car in homeowners insurance industry. Yeah. If you ever have an accident or a fender bender, it's in their it's in their database. Vern in South Dakota says I've used the same insurance company since the 80s for car and home insurance. We recently had a water damage claim on oh, our homeowners insurance. I know the worst. You know that's um, now a third approximately of all homeowners insurance claim dollars or mm. for water claims. Home, um, it was paid and didn't seem to affect our renewal in October, but we just received a letter on the day before the bank paid the policy that says, after a recent review of your home insurance policy, it was determined your policy was calculated incorrectly and should have reflected a higher premium. We're adjusting your policy to reflect the current premium and waiving any premium increase associated with this change for this policy term. They raised the rate to over $6,955 per year, from $1,843. Oh, my goodness. That means they're raising the rate to almost the last claim amount. Is this insurance or a loan? Help. 
You know, there's a cynical phrase about the homeowner's insurance business that uh, insurance is use it or lose it for homeowner's insurance. And, Vern, that is ugly. And this is insurance you buy through a nonprofit that you're a member of. And that is a pretty rotten way to handle you. Now, I'm trying to follow. So they said adjusting your policy and waiving any premium increase for this policy term, which I'm gathering means that it's a year from now that you'll suffer the big increase. If I'm right about that, you need to use the time in between to shop for alternative homeowners insurance. You will see higher rates because of the claim you made, but your premium essentially quadrupling is outrageous. And I don't know if the insurer offers any form of appeal process of this, but that is um, off the charts. That's the worst I think we've heard of. Uh, I mean, we hear things like that for people in Florida because of the unstable Florida homeowners insurance market. But in South Dakota, you're a long way from an ocean for that to be an issue, and that is pretty disturbing. So speaking of something that can potentially be disturbing, there's a big trend that happens every time we have a run-up in home prices with people taking equity out of their homes, treating a home like a piggy bank. I want to tell you why it worries me so much straight ahead. You could have knocked me over with a feather when I read a story in Forbes that the amount of money that people were taking as cash out on their homes or the number of cash out refis going on is up 33% over just the last year. And people are doing this because, you know, they've got so much equity in homes right now and they're in a position where they feel like, hey, you know, I got these bills, I got these things I want to do. This is really something. I'm going to take advantage of this and pull this money out. And so we've got tens of trillions of equity now in our homes. And that's roughly double what we had just not that long ago in the United States because of the run-up in home values. So what could be wrong with taking equity out of your home to pay off high-interest credit card debt or buy a boat or buy a car or whatever. Okay, what could possibly be wrong with that? All right, so it's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, turning a phrase upside down. Because the problem is you've got a great situation. Your home is run up in value. You now have ownership. You've got this enormous equity in your home. When you take out a loan from your home, cashing out, doing the cash out refi, you're turning the clock back to where you have less net worth. You have less wealth. I mean, really, the only purpose of pulling cash out of your home 
is when you're using the money to improve your home, to improve the very thing that has generated the equity. Because I can tell you, as any financial counselor can tell you works at a credit counseling agency, that when people do any kind of thing where they're moving money around, not reducing debt, but moving it around, where you take like that credit card debt and you put it against debt against your home, that no behavior change has happened. And that if you look out 18 to 24 months later, the credit cards will be charged up again. That there's an actual disciplinary benefit to having to work on paying down that debt instead of rearranging it. Again, the only exception really is that the equity of a home can be used on that home, but not using it as a piggy bank for other things in your life. And, you know, whenever I get a question from someone about using borrowing from a home to pay off some other debt, it pains me whenever there's a situation so specific I say, I don't like it when people do this, but in your situation, maybe it makes sense. That's as positive as I'll get. But you have a question related to this, don't you? I do. Kim in Mississippi wrote in to you and said, I'm trying to get a cash out refinance on my house through the bank that I have my mortgage with. I shared with the person handling the refinance that I need the money to make repairs to my house, including heating and air issues. She then told me the money is for home improvements, like adding an extra room or something, not repairs, and I would have to get the heating and air problems fixed before they can refinance. Is this standard? She didn't initially ask what the money was for. Please help. Okay, this is an unusual uh, situation. Normally, if you've got a lot of equity in your home and you want to refi and extract some of it for whatever purpose, the fact that you want to do an upgrade to your HVAC would not be a disqualifying event. I don't know if the financial institution you're dealing with uh, does what's known as hold in portfolio, meaning that they are doing the loan themselves and keeping the loan on their own books and have their own requirements for a cash out refi. But one thing you should do anytime you're doing a refi, you want to shop, Kim, with multiple lenders. It's fine to shop with online lenders, credit unions, mortgage brokers. You never want to go back just to the place your original loan is with because you're not putting the marketplace into competition. So this bank that you're dealing with that has your current loan, they're obviously not going to be your solution. And I want you to go other places, including multiple places, to get quotes from them on doing the refi you want to do. Do you think it's because they see that heating and air, the fact that they're broken right now, that that would affect the value they have of the home? Well, she didn't say that they were not working. She well, said, she said heating and repairs yeah. to the heating and air. So what Chris is referring to is their worry about their equity being protected. But the HVAC is versus the total value of your home should not be a determining factor. Okay. This is from Byron in Kentucky. Wouldn't saving and investing be the best way to curb inflation? We had a temporary improvement in average people's savings rates in the heat of COVID-19, but now we're spending most of what's being pumped into the economy. 
If we would all band together and increase our savings, wouldn't that solve two problems at once? Well, yes, that would solve part of it because people have kind of had itchy fingers and have been spending money at very high rates recently. Um, It is better to be in a situation where the economy is suffering from too much demand than too little because with too much demand, you can come up with strategies that will pull that back. You're talking about each of us as individuals making decisions to spend less. And that's something that uh, doesn't seem to be in the cards. Americans have been very much of a mindset that they want to spend money right now. And it's too much money sloshing around the economy, chasing too few goods. And then on top of it, you add the supply chain disruptions and we've got these higher prices. And a lot of service-oriented industries, they're facing higher costs from higher hourly rates for labor. So it's more than one thing going on. But absolutely, if people were more of a mind of saving money, they would be a spectator of the higher prices now and would be part of the solution in bringing prices a little more back down to earth. Listen to what happened to poor Mary in Georgia. I recently had a trip to Cairo, Egypt, but did not make it out of their airport. My wallet with credit cards had been lost or stolen during one of my four flights to Egypt. I was unable to purchase a visa at the airport due to no credit cards. Egypt authorities sent me back to Georgia. I had a required medical coverage for the trip, but did not purchase trip insurance. What would Clark do about the money spent for the flights? That is... One of those stories, bad things happening to good people. Um, I feel terrible that nobody was willing to step up and help you out. I guess you were not traveling with friends or family or people who knew you. This is a circumstance where even if you had trip insurance, it might well not have covered this situation. And I'm really sorry to say I think that this money is gone for the flights because you did fly both ways and the airline did deliver the services of the flights. You could write to the airline and see if, considering the circumstance, if they'd give you even a partial credit towards future travel, but they don't have to in that case. It's just a terrible, terrible circumstance And I'm so sorry about the wallet going missing and everything else that happened to you as part of this. Do you have any tips for people if they're traveling, like keep your credit cards split up? All right, so I'll tell you one of my things I do. I don't think I've ever mentioned this. I keep one credit card in my carry-on suitcase so that if my wallet is pickpocketed or if, um, if I just lose it, falls out of my pocket, whatever, I still have one card to draw on. And that's something I've done for many, many years, just from when I was in the travel agency business forever ago, having people, hearing people's stories about what happened with theft or lost um, things, that I hedge my bets by having that one safety card packed in my carry on. So now if you ever steal my carry-on, you know to (laughs) dig through and look for that one credit card. 
Okay, and from Robin in Washington, we added our daughter as an authorized user to our credit card. She is now out on her own with her own card. Would taking her off our account hurt her credit score? P.S. She never had physical custody of the card. We used it for school expenses on her behalf. So, Robin, that's a great strategy that helps an emerging adult so much. What your kid needs to do before uh, you take away her authorized user status she needs to apply for one more credit card, and that's what I call the hopscotch method, where she has another card, and then that will give some limit to her that will make you removing her as an authorized user have reduced impact on her, and she'll have the Noah's Ark rule, which is I always want people to have two credit cards anyway. And as always, I wanna tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And you want more consumer advice that you can trust, visit Clark.com. And hey, why don't you sign up for our free newsletter?